The account of Joseph, the witnessed and recorded account of Joseph in the pages of uh, the Old Testament. Genesis, the book of beginnings. Uh, that's what we've been looking at over here on the Wednesday session. And uh, we want to keep looking into things, right? That's what we want to do. We want to look into this account and see what we can learn. See what we can learn. Stefan Maya is my name. AddedSouls.com is the website. By all means, please consider subscribing, following, liking, sharing, comments, all that kind of good stuff. You can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can support the work over there. And, uh, yeah, all that's good stuff. You can check the show notes and see what we do. We go live from Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. And each day has its theme. And today, well, we want to look into uh, our studies. And our studies have been to go through the book of Genesis. And so we're looking at uh, Joseph. And uh, I think we're at chapter, let me see here, chapter 41. If I'm not mistaken, chapter 41, yeah. Joseph, interesting account, isn't it? Truly. Starts off in chapter 37, Joseph has a dream, right? His brothers don't like the dream, do they? His brothers, of course, um, seek to get rid of him. They don't murder him, but they uh, sell him off to Egyptian bondage. And he finds himself in Egypt as a slave, but because the Lord was with Joseph... Uh, he became a successful man. But as a successful man, of course, there were uh, some challenges to that effect. His employer, his employer's wife was a problem, wasn't she? And of course, that landed Joseph in some hot water, some imprisonment. And through that venue of opportunity, he continues to be successful and... Um, is capable of producing interpretation for a dream, which I find interesting because in chapter 37, Joseph has a dream. <laughs> he has a dream and his brothers don't like that dream. And now he finds himself in Egypt where he can interpret the dreams. And that is very uh, favorable to his success. And it is all sourced by God. And he makes sure that uh, those who are hearing his interpretation know that it comes from his God. Uh, the living God, right? Very different than the uh, sources of mankind's demise, uh, their own, their own uh, idols and sorcerers and magicians and wise men and this, that, and the other in the pagan world. Uh, they don't have the interpretive power to understand Pharaoh's dream, but Joseph does. And of course, I encourage you to uh, go back to the archived videos uh, of our uh, study through Genesis, and that'll kind of put you into the context of each, uh, I suppose, each chapter there. All right, so we are in chapter 41, and starting in verse 38, and it says, Then Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? Remember, uh, Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, their worldview, their religious views and traditions are that of um, a pagan mind, uh, a heathen practice, if you will. Um, they've created their own gods and their own law, and uh, the god of Joseph is very different 
the God of Joseph is one who can interpret dreams. He has power. And so in the mind of Pharaoh, he's going to interpret the situation with Joseph as one who has a divine spirit, right? He's not going to immediately understand, of course, the great and powerful I am, the living God in whom Joseph is uh, giving honor and obedience to. So he says, then Pharaoh said to his servants, can, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh, in verse 39, says to Joseph, uh, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. Interesting. A leader of a pagan nation in a, uh, in a time in which Pharaoh had the power of public execution at any choice he so would make, um, Joseph, this Hebrew, sold into bondage to the Egyptian hand, is now in the inner courts of the most high power of this day and age. And he is seen, recognized, identified, discerned as one who has uh, integrity. Integrity and um, one who is capable of producing wisdom and insight and uh, one who is capable of discerning what is true and what is not true. And, of course, Joseph would tell us that, that all of those um, gifts come from God. And that allows us practical application in our faith today as we live under the Messianic age, the stewardship of the Messiah, the Christian age, right? We can learn from this text, this account, and understand that Joseph was who he was successful because God and a very unique God, the living God, not the gods of men created in their image, which have no life. No, rather the living God who has always been, is now, and will forevermore be the creative, intelligent power because of God, the living God, Joseph, has discernment, and he has wisdom, and Pharaoh recognizes that, and Pharaoh sees the utility of such an entourage, truly beneficial to his reign in power, to have a man in his court which can produce for him uh, longevity can produce for him um, a step ahead of his enemies, a security of sorts, right? Well, for you and I today, my dear friends, if we rightly handle the text and we follow the word, allowing God to govern our lives through the penmanship of the Holy Spirit, we too might be found in the courtroom of a great many pagan nations or with their leaders, kings and queens, prime ministers, presidents. 
which would recognize us, identify us perhaps as having wisdom, as having discernment. And would we be so humble, even in such a time and position, to proclaim the source in which wisdom comes and discernment? Paul would tell the, Phil the Christians in Philippi, grow in discernment, all discernment. That's something that's greatly missing with, a, with many Christians, is discernment. Sadly, in my limited experience in the church, I've seen it in preachers, evangelists, elders, and members. A lack of discernment from those who have been in the church 30, 40, 50 years. A lack of discernment. They've not learned the wisdom that comes through uh, uh, their life and faith. There's been no growth. I spoke to a few not too long ago, uh, preachers and elders who could not discern the difference between right and wrong, who could not discern a lie from the truth. And because they could not, they chose to side and promote a lie. To side and promote what is evil. And because of that, they judged us unrighteously and accused us of a great many sinful things that we were simply not guilty of. And that is truly unfortunate. How some who have been in the church long enough to know better, chose not to know better. Well, Joseph, as an example of an individual who was capable of uh, having a humble heart to know where his wisdom, his insight, his discernment came from, truly represented the living God properly. And the Lord was with him, and he was successful for it, even through all the challenges and trials that came his way. I mean, a young man sold into bondage by the hands of his own siblings? Yeah. And he is found in this location of uncertainty, and he is successful to Potiphar. But Potiphar's wife, right? She's a problem. She wanted to have relations with him. He wanted none of it. And because of that, she lied about him, didn't she? She got him in trouble, imprisoned. But yet in imprisonment, he is still successful because God is with him. And he helps out a few interpretations, a few dreams. But they, one of them, of course, executed. The other one reinstated to his office, was supposed to mention Joseph. He doesn't, does he? Until he sees it beneficial to his own selfish ambition. And then he mentions Joseph. And Joseph comes into the courtroom of the Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream, because nobody else could. And he does. And Pharaoh now, of course, is finding favor in Joseph. Oh, he's useful, isn't he? Are we useful? Would we be found useful? Do we have wisdom? Do we have discernment? Are we wiser than our enemies? If so, it is not of our own work. It is that of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, His mercy, His grace, allowing us the word He spoke to govern our thoughts, to govern our life. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, interesting, isn't it? Pharaoh does not know the accuracy of the living God in which Joseph 
follows and obeys. But he knows enough to recognize that Joseph would point his well-being spiritually to this God. And so Pharaoh says, since God has informed you of all this. See, Joseph did not take God's work to boast for his own self, an act of pride. No, he goes back to God. It is God who is the one interpreting your dream. It is God who allows me to be here and alive among you. God's mercy, his grace. We can learn from that, and we should be so wise to rightly handle the scriptures and allow the penmanship of the Holy Spirit to guide our lives, our minds, our thoughts, our words, our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our way forward. And if we are successful and humble for God, it is because of God. And we too can become useful for those who seek the truth, who seek an accurate interpretation of the word of God, right? You shall be over my house, Pharaoh says. He recognizes the value of Joseph's uh, interpretation, Joseph's insight, Joseph's discernment. He recognizes that, and now it is time, of course, to give Joseph a position of responsibility for the greater good of Egypt's path forward. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. That is a uh, position of great priority, isn't it? Responsibility. It takes integrity. It takes dignity. And Joseph certainly can produce that practice because of God. And so he is going to be in charge of a great many things and have a great many under him who would obey him by the hand of Pharaoh's instruction. And that, of course, indeed, can make Joseph a um, recipient of persecution at the hands of those who are prideful, controlling, jealous. And sadly, those kinds still exist today and still cause problems for the Joseph. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. The ultimate final decision, of course, will remain with Pharaoh. So Pharaoh said to Joseph in verse 41, chapter 41, 41, 41, Genesis, he says, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Interesting, isn't it? I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his uh, singet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. Of course, a, um, a symbol and ritual of uh, office and approval, permission, honor, respect. He had him ride in his second chariot, verse 43, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. Here was Joseph several years imprisoned because his employer's wife 
had lied about him. But yet still, he perseveres through that moment and is now found in a high position of reputation and responsibility. He had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. Through God, we can achieve a great many uh, opportunities. Why can't a faithful Christian become prime minister? Why can't he become the president? Why can't we, faithful Christians, become influencers in our communities? Voices for policy? Why not? Wouldn't that be much better? To govern the land? Or to at least be close to the governing power of the land? As an influence within the mind of the individual who creates and enforce policy? Yeah, we used to know that once. That's why we were given liberty, privilege, freedom in the land of milk and honey for a long time. We've lost that now. We're a fallen nation now. We forgot the principle. Okay, so it continues and says, He made him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed for him. Verse 44, Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. Could have been very tempting for Joseph to allow himself to be contaminated and corrupted. Most men in this position fall prey to the temptation of corruption and compromise. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. To be contaminated, to be compromised, to be corrupted could come as uh, in the form of materialistic accumulation, right? Perhaps the love of money, greed, though he would be well taken care of in this position, certainly the recipient of food, shelter, and clothing in abundance. Oh, well, perhaps women. Perhaps that would be the temptation. I can have all sorts of women now. Perhaps control, pride. I can control people. Joseph certainly was in a position of deep responsibility. So Pharaoh named Joseph. Well, yeah, no, close to it, I suppose. What does it say here in my, in my footnotes? God speaks, he lives. That big name that uh, Pharaoh calls Joseph. Zaphanath Panath. Okay, well, let me try this. Zaphanath Panea. Zaphanath Panea. Okay. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, but from what I can see here, Zaphanath Panea is what Pharaoh called Joseph. And Zaphanath Panea means, apparently, to the footnotes of this Bible here, 
God speaks, he lives, which would make sense, obviously, and interesting yet again, how the minds of unbelievers can still glorify God with their lips before the people as a result of Joseph or any faithful Christian in our day and age with practical application. Interesting, isn't it? To be spoken well of, God spoken well of through the mouth of an unbeliever because of the actions of a believer and the behavioral uprightness and decency, integrity of a believer. So, uh, yeah, Pharaoh named Joseph Zaphanath <laughs> Panea, uh, and he gave him Asenath, or Asenath, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, 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 as his wife. And Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. Interesting, isn't it? Now, Joseph was 30 years old when he uh, entered into this service, right? He stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. How old was he? 30 years old. Hmm. King of Egypt. That's a young age to be in such a position of power. And to keep one's control, self-control, that's interesting. And so Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. He had freedom. He had privilege. He had authority. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. Remember the interpretation to the dream Pharaoh had. Joseph gave the instruction, which was sourced from the living God. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. Wow. Precaution, wisdom, insight, discernment. He knew that within the seven years of abundance, it would be wise to take inventory and to store for the coming famine. For the coming famine. To be prepared. More insight into our practical application today within our faith in Christ. How so? Are we prepared? Are we getting prepared? It could obviously mean physically, as it was here in the account of Joseph, or spiritually, obviously, both. As good stewards of what we have been given physically, we should also be spiritually. Are we storing up heavenly wealth? Or are we squandering our lives for earthly riches? Right? Are we ready? Are we prepared? Can we uh, be found utilizing precaution to be cautious? Interesting. Joseph had the discernment to recognize what needed to be done for the preservation of his position for the greater good of the living God and his will. Interesting indeed. The text continues, verse 50. 
the sons of Joseph, right? Now, before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, or Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, or Heliopolis, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh. Manasseh. In other words, making to forget, it says here, as a description to the name. Names meant something, right? So here's Joseph's firstborn to this wife that was given to him, Manasseh. For, he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. We at times go through deep trauma, sorrow, pain, devastation at the hands of very evil brethren. Very cunning and evil brethren. And we want to climb ourselves out of that deep, dark sorrow. And so God has mercy and allows us a new location, a new people, hope, healing. And we are blessed and we thank God for taking us away from such toxic individuals. And so... God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. A time of peace. A time of peace away from the anxiety of the trauma Joseph must have gone through. He named the second Ephraim. Ephraim. Fruitfulness. For he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. A location where he could have been in deep bondage. He has been made successful in the land of plenty. Verse 53, when the seven years of plenty which had been in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph has said, then there was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. And when the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. And the people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. To know the word of God. To know the word of God and to live by the word of God will have a nation, will have a nation prepared for famine. It will be able to govern the nation properly. It is good to have a faithful man of God in the presence and influence of governing powers. And we could take it from that perspective all the way to the household, between husband and wife and children, and to the influence of the neighborhood, the community, and also, most certainly, the local assembly. 
Interesting how we can apply these things in our lives and be successful and have God with us as we are with him. Joseph, of course, thus far has gone through deep sorrow, challenges, trials, tests, moments of uncertainty, doubt, yet persevered, capable of navigating faithfully through them, growing in his insight. Very interesting indeed. Pharaoh was wise to keep Joseph close and to put him in charge. He had that discernment. He knew the utility of Joseph's mind, governed, of course, by the great I Am, the living God. There are evil things all around him, trying to bring him down, trying to diminish his spirit. Yet Joseph remains upright and continues his path forward. And he has been blessed for it. He has been permitted to experience peace, forgetting the turmoil and chaos and disorder of his ancestral lineage, which, if you've been following along to these studies, goes back all the way to Abraham and Sarah. Interesting indeed. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. Because the famine was severe in all the earth. A nation that is governed by the policies and principles of the Christ will be attractive to all around the world. For they will see that there is nourishment there. There is food, shelter, and clothing. While we lay here in these godless nations, we recognize a location to be found with provision. How is that possible in a time of famine? Because the individual who follows the scriptures will have precautionary mindfulness to prepare and know what is true and real. So many, so many angles and points to be received from this study, friends. The Bible can have us successful, physically and spiritually, truly. Please consider subscribing, following, liking, sharing, drop a comment. Please consider signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can support the work there. You can also go through PayPal, or if you seek a physical address, please reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to have a video chat with you, a phone call, phone conversation, or email exchange. We want to keep the Added Souls ministry in this studio moving forward. Joseph had much to contribute to his situation and those around him. And blessed are those who are found around him. Right? Absolutely. Pharaoh was found in kind favor, having Joseph around. Look at all who have benefited from Joseph. Potiphar. Uh, the cupbearer. 
the cupbearer, Pharaoh. Uh, truly revealing, is it not? He's 30 years old. He's 30 years old. He's, he's lived through thus far a great many things. Most of us will never be found in positions of such power. But maybe our children, our children's children, if we start thinking right now, today, there's much evil in our nation. We are a fallen nation. We fall into pride and control and greed. We fall into great immorality, depravity. We've lost our sense of upright decency. We've truly fallen into a superstitious myth. We've fallen. We are a fallen nation. And we are now subject at the hands of tyrants oppressors because once we've told ourselves there is no god we create gods among ourselves and the corrupt love playing god don't they how do we remove ourselves from such hostility murder unrighteous violence do you trust anything our politicians are saying these days? Are you that naive? Do you believe everything that's being shown on TV from their paid-for news channels? I speak it, of course, from the angle of socio-political affairs, but we can go deep and down any perspective. It's the same. It begins in the household. From the household to the community, the local assembly. Can we not interpret the word of God according to the author's intent? Can we not be humble and recognize the value of the word and live by it? It's a matter of the heart, isn't it? And once again, I put this one on repeat for remembrance. It's a matter of the heart. With the right kind of heart, we can become productive and successful for Christ, our Lord and Master. And we too through his providential wind, might be found in positions of influence. Some sadly utilize it for their own selfish gain. Diotrophies, Pharisees. But there are the humble, and we still walk this earth, and though the world tries to extinguish us time and time again, Yet we live. For the kingdom in which the Christ is king is a kingdom built by the hand of God, and no man can destroy it. Our kingdoms, built by the hands of men, they come, they go. Where are the Egyptians today? Where are the Romans? Where are the great dynasties of an ancient era? And if we give it a few more years, perhaps we will say, where is America? Where is Canada? What has happened of the Western world? It has fallen, has it not? Once we've told ourselves there is no God, 
than the nation in which we had built in his honor. Crumbles. For there was a time in our founding documents that God was honored. Why was Pharaoh successful as a leader of Egypt? Why? Why was Pharaoh a successful man in the age of his reign in Egypt? Why? How did that happen? Joseph was allowed into his court and could provide the proper interpretation. There was a man of God in the office of sociopolitical policy and affairs in the age of Pharaoh and the Egyptian. That's why they were successful. That's why they had food to eat and sell. You have a man of God in office, the economy will be properly produced. For the moral of the people will have access to a principle which stems to the great I am. And that would activate a recognition and honor as Pharaoh gave Joseph. You want to have a successful home. Male, female, husband, wife, parents, children. You want to have a successful home. Is our Lord and Master welcomed into the affairs of our thinking, our speaking, our heart? We want to be a successful people. We want to be upright as his bride, his local assembly, his church. Do we recognize that Christ is the head of his church? That you and I are equal as saints? Not perfect, trying to be, no doubt, as commanded we should. But is Christ the head of his church? What of the community, our neighbors? It's important information for our survival. We've since neglected and rejected this information, which finds ourselves in an era of great depravity and immorality, sickness, a sickness that is so toxic. We find ourselves once again where very evil brethren exist and cause much pain and sorrow for many. Where evil uh, uh, governments exist and cause much sorrow for the people. Evil all around, right? It's always been a fallen world, has it not, since the day we chose to disobey God? Certainly. But we, we've had moments of peace. And how did we receive those moments? By following God. By following God. They've told us in our classrooms that there is no God. And they've called that science. They've told us we should murder our babies. They've called that health care. They've told us that we should sexually pervert and sodomize our youth. They've called that love. 
Friends, the end goal of this fallen world has always been the same, to remove God. But when those who love God stand on the instruction from the heart to an outward action, when we stand for God, our nation prospers. The household will prosper and grow. The local assembly will prosper and grow. The neighborhood, the community, the state, the province, the country. We've fallen into the hands of great evil because we neglected our thankfulness towards God. And because we neglected our thankfulness towards God, we've rejected his instruction. Why was Pharaoh successful as a leader in Egypt? Our brethren are ignorant and arrogant on top of that. Self-righteous hypocrites. Useless brutes. We must humble our hearts. We must learn to be servants. For the one greatest among us is a servant, correct? Isn't that not what our Lord and Master taught us? We must go back to service. Faith without works is dead. Can a faith without works save anyone? The right heart the right mind, the right doctrine. We're in a pretty bad spot right now in the world. We've, we're in an uncertain time. But that doesn't mean there can't be a renewal. That doesn't mean there can't be a time in which peace will return. But we're, our, we are at a desperate time where we must act Act lawfully through the privilege and freedom we have in Christ, mind you. That's where our freedom truly comes from. See, Joseph was certainly submissive to the governing authorities of his entourage, Pharaoh. And before Pharaoh, Potiphar. Certainly. But never at the compromise of his faith in the living God. For he knew that his true freedom did not come from Pharaoh or Potiphar. It came from God. Friends, let me be quite direct with you. No president of America or prime minister of Canada is the source of our freedom. If we ever subscribe to that thought, we fail and we miss the mark, and we become subject to the tyranny of a corrupt individual. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our freedom does not come from a king or a queen on this earth. Are we subject and submissive to, so, uh, to policy and law that would not violate the privilege we have in Christ? Well, certainly. But I speak of corruption and oppression to our well-being, to which Christ gave us freedom to stand up and defend. I speak of a great many things 
Friends, the reason we are a fallen nation is because we stopped believing that our freedom and privilege came from God, and now it comes from whoever's prime minister, whoever's in government, whoever's in power on this earth. Well, aren't you aware that the presence of power on this earth is the wind of Satanism, of self, destruction, and chaos? Joseph, Pharaoh, Egypt. What a powerful account. I could read through this every day, and we should. Truly, truly interesting information that we can grasp, hold on to. What are we going to do this day forward? First and foremost, we pray. We pray. We pray. Friends, I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada. It's a beautiful, growing church. Check out our Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. You'll see pictures of the congregation growing, right? You'll also have see the um, weekly uploads of the sermons. And um, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. We're a group of individuals who are not perfect, but we're trying to be better. And we would just want to help each other follow this book and the information that's in here. Because we've learned that it's what's right. It's an objective, absolute reality of our existence, and it gives us purpose. Maybe you'd like to study with us. Maybe you'd like to have a sit down and study. Maybe you'd like to visit with us. EastCoastChurchOfChrist.com. Reach out to us. My website, my personal website, is AddedSouls.com. And if there are other Christians out there, if you recognize that there is some substance and value to what the Added Souls Ministry produces, please consider supporting it. You can do so by signing up at AddedSouls.Locals.com. You can also go through PayPal. Or if you need a physical address, just reach out to me. More than happy. We, as a congregation, are transparent. We're upright. We're honest. If you have any concerns or questions, you can reach out to any of us. Really, contact any of us. There are many liars out there, slanderers, those who bear false witness, psychological manipulators, we have those who speak great evil against us and who have accused us of a great many malicious things that are simply bold-faced lies from bold-faced liars. We have certainly been the recipients of attacks from diatrophic individuals, evil workers, wolves in sheep's clothing. Be honest and transparent. Contact us if you have any questions or concerns. Our reports, our updates are public, and it is a good, fruitful, peaceful work, truly. It saved our lives. It really did. We thank God every day for this congregation, for His Word which birthed this congregation. It saved our lives. It can save yours. If you're found on the East Coast, you want to have us sit down and study, you want to have a 
conversation. We're here for you. We're certainly here for you. It takes a humble heart, a seeking mind. There's the key, right? All right, my dear friends, I appreciate you a great deal. Please, again, consider subscribing, following, liking, sharing, comments, all that stuff. It, it helps the work move forward. Um, please stay focused. Please stay positive. Lord willing, tomorrow, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time, we'll have our topical Thursday. And if you look at the show notes, we go live throughout the week. You can reach out to us if there's a suggestion for something you'd like for us to address or to speak about. By all means, do so. We do go live on Saturday evenings, 7 p.m. Atlantic Daylight Time on the Added Souls Facebook page. That's for our friend, uh, Brother Andre, for the Back to the Bible Q&A session. So you have that one there too on Saturday evening. But throughout the week, here I am. I have a personal profile on Facebook. You may like uh, what I upload there, the content I create there. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Rumble, uh, Locals. Where else? Our audio stuff is all over the place, right? Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google, Amazon, all over the place. And uh, we've been blessed truly, to have influence as the Added Souls Ministry throughout, uh, well, since 2012. And uh, we ha we've had record reach of over 70 million. Uh, we've had um, a great many blessings to work for God and find purpose, uh, renewals, baptisms. The three points that I created in 2012 to the ministry, right? Number one, reach the faithless. Number two, renew the fallen. And number three, reinforce the faithful and that's the that's the path of focus we stay on that keeps us in the boundaries of what is uh the purpose of the the work that good all right my friends till next time peace out <laughs>